and even our subconscious, we're connected to different sounds. There might be some sounds that you might not realize consciously, but that you actually connect to being scared or to fear, right? Because of something that happened when you were little or whatever. You're listening to the Wealthy Woman Podcast, and I am your host and wealthy mentor, Dr. Michelle. My mission is to empower conscientious women entrepreneurs to create a life full of abundance, purpose, health, wealth, and joy. In this podcast, you'll learn how to elevate your health, lifestyle, and surroundings so you can tap into your power, show up more confidently, and focus on what really matters, sharing your gifts, better serving your clients, and showing up even more for the people you love. This is today's businesswoman, the wealthy woman. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Wealthy Woman Podcast. As you know, once a month, I love featuring, you know, various people who can help you create a life of wealth full of abundance, purpose, health, wealth, and joy. So today I am introducing you to Maralise Campos. Maralise is a sound practitioner and wellness guide who challenges widely accepted industry narratives. Her pioneering sounds combine scientific and intuitive techniques to invite self-exploration. As a Latina with disabilities, she promotes accessibility and inclusivity while also teaching us to shift our unconscious reactions to chosen responses. Her integration of formal musical training with raw sensory curation have really helped her transition her own body from a state of severe disability to remission. She is a certified sound practitioner, yoga instructor, meditation facilitator, DJ, and sound designer who helps others ease stress with vibrations and movement using personal recordings, Himalayan and crystal singing bowls, tuning forks, violin, vocal looping, synths, and percussive instruments. You can catch her full bio in the show notes. So let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Maralise. Aside from your bio, tell us a bit more about how you got here. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. Yay. And for if I cough at any point, my apologies. I'm just getting over a little bit of a, a cold over here in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, let's just dive right in. So as you guys know, like I'm a, I'm a sound practitioner. I'm a wellness guide. And I kind of uh, fell into this work in an interesting way. So my first career was actually in international nonprofit work. So I was moving around the world and I was working with people, demographics of people who were really suffering. Like I was in Korea for a while working with North Korean refugees and homeless children. And then I was in Paraguay, where I'm originally from, working with victims of sex trafficking. Then I moved to Texas, where I was working with uh, the International Rescue Committee and then with domestic violence victims. So that was my first career. But throughout that whole time, I, I was getting sick. And like feeling a lot of chronic pain and it was growing, becoming more widespread throughout my body throughout all those years. So it got to the point where I finally had to leave my job with domestic violence victims because I was having trouble walking. And every time I stood up, I was like in this excruciating pain. So what ended up happening was uh, throughout all these years, as my pain was increasing, it started in college. I was trying to figure out what was wrong. I didn't want to go to Western doctors at first. So I was going to like acupuncturists, chiropractors, Chinese medicine, pursuing all of these other modalities first. And then I started checking in with different doctors and I was seeking a diagnosis on three different continents. Oh my goodness. And it took, yeah. And it took me going to uh, a lot of doctors, which is pretty, pretty common for people with chronic illness mm-hmm. before I finally got a diagnosis. So when I was in Texas and I was working with domestic violence victims, I finally started to get diagnosed and they diagnosed me with 12 different autoimmune and musculoskeletal uh, and neurological diseases. All of them have a primary symptom of chronic pain. Mm. Some of the more uh, notable ones are like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, fibromyalgia, Sjogren's syndrome, POTS syndrome, localized epilepsy, mm. uh, scoliosis, chronic migraines, chronic fatigue syndrome, things like that. So uh, yeah, I, I wasn't, 
making it all up in my head, which at that point, you know, after a while of years and years of having all this pain, you start to think like, oh, wow, this, am I making this all up in my head? Mm. That's a really common experience for people with Mm -hmm. chronic pain or chronic illness because the diagnosis takes so long usually. Totally. I mean, with autoimmune conditions in general, I think what the average is like four and a half years before any diagnosis is made. Yeah. Usually between 20 and 26 physicians visited. Yeah. In seeking a diagnosis. It's really insane. And so then I started, uh, you know, trying all these different treatments and it's kind of like just trial and error, right? Because everybody is different. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like trying all these different things. And uh, finally I was put on uh, low doses of chemo, methotrexate Mm. for two years. And uh, a few weeks after I started the methotrexate, I started a yoga teacher certification. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was a six month training. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I just didn't want to like sit still and do nothing. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So that was incredibly intense. Um, Nobody and none of my colleagues in the course, aside from my instructors, knew that I was on that treatment or that I had all those diseases at the time. Mm. I didn't share with them until afterward. But uh, that was a really amazing experience. And it created a good container for me to be able to go through this extreme situation and feel supported mm. in my journey deeper into myself and really getting to know my own responses and reactions to what was happening in my body and in my life. So really glad that it happened that way. And a few weeks after I started the yoga teacher training, I found a class that was called sound healing and I'd, always been a musician was classically trained Mm. and so I decided to go so I hobbled over with my cane and I realized that it provided me with just a few moments where my entire physical experience wasn't just an inundation of physical pain Mm. it provided me with like a short-term reference point in my short-term memory of an experience other than extreme pain which was really powerful for me because when your entire experience becomes colored by one color, you lose sight of and forget what it's like to be in different colors. Mm. So that was uh, really powerful for me. So I kept going back and, and that time period where I was feeling a bit of, of relief was uh, becoming longer and longer. And so I just kept going back and then eventually I started to learn about it and started to uh, practice sound meditation and guide others and got more involved in the wellness field as I graduated as a yoga teacher. And then I started a mentorship in yoga therapy for eight months. And that's kind of how I transitioned into wellness. Oh, that is an incredible journey. I mean, like amazing. <laughs> it's almost, I mean, it's so clear that you've found your purpose, right? Your purpose and your passion. And it's like, how, how awesome is it that they're so aligned that you're already a musician, like you're able to bring this message, right through sound, like to help other people who are experiencing that. And I think that just like, I think sound frequency is such an underappreciated therapy. And it's, I, I mean, you think about people who like do a lot of dance or like who listen to music therapeutically and don't even like they're not consciously listening to it for therapeutic reasons but like it ends up helping you calm down it helps you like center yourself or focus or like maybe even stirs up certain emotion like it's so cool (laughs) exactly yeah and people are starting to catch on now and Mm. it's kind of like a wave now of people who they're like two camps there are people who really have been involved in it for a while or have studied it and and really see it as this like professional work. And then there's like the fad kind of popularity mm. where it's like, oh, I just buy these bowls and then I'm doing this work, mm. <laughs> you know? That's so interesting. So I feel like that's the case for any, like almost any modality, right? There's like the people yeah. who really get underneath and like the deep stuff. And then there's other people who just really stay superficial. Right. Exactly. So there's like a lot of really cool research happening 
a lot of really cool work happening like that isn't necessarily being seen by a majority of people mm. and then you have like this kind of pop pop version which is like the more accessible kind of you know standard like yoga teacher buys a bunch of bowls and makes mm. a bunch of videos playing mm. bowls and they're a sound healer you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's nothing really so. like there's no substance behind it well, there's, it, it's just, um, I think the fact that, you know, sound frequency is really, it's a physical thing. So there is substance behind it, but there isn't necessarily an awareness or a knowledge behind the practice. Mm-hmm. And my philosophy of my work is like, I can't take people where I haven't been before. Mm. And I can't guide people if I don't know where I'm guiding them to. Mm-hmm. So especially with sound, because sound, it touches us on a cognitive, emotive, and physical level. Mm-hmm. And it's so completely inundating and, and powerful in that way. So let me kind of just break it down really simply yeah. and explain what I mean by that. So on a physical level, obviously, we have the physical sound waves, right? Mm-hmm. And they're massaging us like from the outside in. They're uh, touching us. We're made mostly of water. Water responds to sound. The um, you have cymatics, which is like the visual representation of what sound does to liquid mm-hmm. and and matter in general. Um, so we have all these physical responses to sound as it touches the vagus nerve and stimulates the vagus nerve that triggers and starts to allow the body to move from a fight or flight mode, the reptilian part of the brain, to the rest and digest in the prefrontal cortex which brings all the blood flow back to the organs, central organs in the middle of the body, brings oxygen, nutrients, allows for the lymphatic system to start to flush, release toxins, allows the muscles to relax, couple that with deep breathing, and you're bringing more relaxation to the muscles of the nervous system. So these are all things that we don't say 100% will happen in every sound practice, but these are things that we make space for Mm -hmm. in sound practices, right? that can happen. And so that's on the physical level. And that's just some of them. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about um, from an emotional level, there's a lot of things, there are a lot of things that happen when people are finally able to release and relax, right? We finally start to like let go and we, we can finally allow ourselves to feel things that we've been feeling but maybe have been ignoring mm-hmm. or running through, haven't been focusing on. So emotionally provides this like really powerful experience where people now feel empowered to, they have that space to explore safely within themselves what it is they're feeling, their emotional landscape and their internal family systems, right? Mm-hmm. So like the places that all their emotions have in their, let's say in their neighborhood, inside of themselves, where their emotions live, all the different houses, they can check on them and see if they're in order and all these different things because we've created space for them to do that in a relaxed way. Mm. So cognitively, you know, have you ever listened to like a song, like you were saying, and like it makes you feel a certain way. And as soon as you hear the intro, you like start to feel something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we all have memory associations and emotional associations to different sounds and songs, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And even our subconscious, we're connected to different sounds. There might be some sounds that you might not realize consciously, but that you actually connect to being scared or to fear, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because of something that happened when you were little or whatever. Uh, Maybe you got stung by a bee, so the buzzing of a bee scares you or or incites fear. Mm. So the the, uh, vagus nerve, incidentally, which I talked about earlier, which is most easily one of the most easy ways, easy, easy, one of the easiest ways to stimulate it is through auditory means, but you can stimulate it in other ways. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that you say that right there, just because a lot of the time, you know, I talk about the vagus nerve with my clients too. And one of the things that I recommend is like humming. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Like, humming is yeah. so self-soothing. Yeah. It's so self-soothing. Yeah. It's great for anxiety. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Perfect. I love that you do that. <laughs> That's great biofeedback training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
Oh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> just put a huge smile on my face. <laughs> Yay! I mean, it's such a, I mean, the vagus nerve, like for people who don't know, it's called the wandering nerve. It's like basically what connects our gut and our brain. It is like the gut yeah. brain connection. And so a lot of times it's not functioning optimally. And so sound, like you're saying, is such an amazing way to heal that and to restore that connection. I love that so much. <laughs> Exactly. And it touches almost every one of our organs. Exactly. It's like really, really powerful. Um, yes. It's like it's like this major highway in our body yes, exactly. <laughs> that we need to make sure that we take care of. It's like adopt a highway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but incidentally, it's also connected um, to the uh, to like the the pain center, the fear center of the brain. Mm-hmm. So the amygdala. Mm hmm. So um, that has very powerful implications when we talk about sound, right? Mm-hmm. And like triggering it with sound. So it's this really interesting thing where we have like, as sound practitioners, we have direct access to someone's on all these different, on, on all three planes, the three planes that make them up as a human, their human sensory experience. We have direct access to all three of those. So amazing. Which is why, you know, study and learning and not just about sound, but like about the body, about uh, about the emotional impact, you know, about the psychological impact, like all those things to me are very essential and vital in order to be able to really work well with clients and be able to provide value mm-hmm. to clients. Mm. I love it so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost, I'm wondering if um, we can integrate a little sound sample too, maybe at the end of the interview or something like that. I think that would be so, <laughs> but we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we could figure that out. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't have everything out now, but we could do that. I do, I do record here at my place. I'm actually going to release stuff on Spotify. Yay. Uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll for sure link to all of your spots, like Instagram, I know for sure. And like anything else that you want, um, in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, so I'm curious just like with your amazing background and like all of your experience and different continents and like working with different types of people and like now what you're doing, like, did you ever see, like, cause I consider your, I mean, I consider you an entrepreneur, like you are doing something you're following your purpose and your passion and you're utilizing all of these different tools and strategies and resources that you've collected over the years and you've kind of created this thing right and Uh so like how like did you ever consider yourself an entrepreneur like did you ever see yourself wanting to be an entrepreneur like tell me about that (laughs) yeah um so interesting I get asked a lot about this kind of thing like and whether it's with the word entrepreneur or even just like a, a speaker or influential person or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, one of the most freak things which we often talk about uh, when we're like suffering or struggling is releasing attachment to the suffering, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, even more freeing than that was releasing attachment to hope. Mm. Oof, I just got the chills. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like releasing this attachment to an otherness, an other state of what I was currently. Mm. So releasing the need to be in an, a different state or need to know what that state would be. Mm. Then that allowed me to really explore myself fully in the present moment. And that change the thing about change is change is inevitable anyway Mm -hmm. change is one of the only guaranteed things about life Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. change is always happening so we've got this idea in our society a bit backwards where we talk about having to catalyze change or cause change but how about instead of looking at it as an upstream battle where we're trying to force change or where we're trying to change the the direction of the river that we're in. Mm-hmm. Why don't we look at it as though there are all these rivers around us of possible change mm-hmm. and we see which changes are the ones that are more most conducive to the state I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And I just jump in that river. Mm-hmm. 
because change is happening and it is going to happen. So how can I just support myself in the space I'm in now and accept and support the changes that would best work for me and mm-hmm. with me mm-hmm. instead of having to focus on catalyzing a change to get to a specific place? Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a different approach, um, but we're operating in the same environment. It's just that we're operating a bit more freely and we're removing that pressure on ourselves. We're actually removing the walls that we are building for ourselves by seeing it that way. Yeah. And being, and kind of practicing, I guess, like being present, you know, like people, exactly. you know, there's a lot of stuff out there in the, I don't know what it's called now, like new agey spiritual world or whatever, where it's just like, you know, practice gratitude or practice this or that or whatever affirmations. And a lot of times there is that sense of like being outside of yourself or seeking this higher self or seeking this other, like you're saying, instead of, you know, being with yourself now and knowing that, you know, just being and accepting and like acknowledging you now, like you have everything that you need, like, and that and that's okay (laughs) exactly it's like this idea of like raise your frequency and Mm -hmm. like no i mean there are low frequencies there are high frequencies there are mid frequencies they all are a part of life Mm -hmm. they're just the direction is just a direction it's Mm -hmm. not a value judgment unless Mm -hmm. we make it one totally instead of seeing it as like this linear this linear thing how about i'm at the center of the circle that's where i'm at And all of these experiences, emotions, activities are going on all around me. And sometimes they're closer in proximity to me. And sometimes they're more intense in that way or they're farther away. But they're all going on simultaneously and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And I'm just turning around, facing different directions at different points and being impacted by them in different ways depending on how close they are to me in proximity at that moment. Mm. Totally. Or even like, I mean, considering like a radio dial, like all these frequencies, like you say, are happening at all times. And it's like we can choose where we want to tune in and like what feels right and like what's in sync with us right now. Exactly. Instead of trying to, (laughs) instead of, instead of thinking that we're, we need to like spark it from nothingness, right? Or that we need to be originators of it. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) so that's kind of my approach to things and in a way my body is a little bit of a ticking time bomb because Mm. with the types of condition I have there never there's no cure for any of them Mm. so I just kind of live with them and uh so every moment every day is just kind of like okay I can I can function so that's what I'm gonna do Mm. that kind of brings us into the next question pretty well like just you know, doing what you do, being in the state that you're in, you know, how do you stay motivated and driven when things don't go as planned? Yeah, which is all the time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, um, so I've only been, it's technically called being in remission. So that just means that my, my illnesses are still, I still have them. Mm. They're still active, but they're not completely debilitating. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've been in remission for two years now. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting. It's been this, I'm still learning what it means to be in this state, moving among a world that was designed for people who don't have chronically ill bodies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a very fascinating thing so part of a very important tenet of my life curation is my is a sensory curation Mm -hmm. and just really it's really actually like an all-encompassing life curation I just think it's so important to and I've learned that it's so important especially for me to really intentionally curate every aspect of my life and to the degree that I can and that means not forcing things, but coming at it because I come at it from a space of like observing what's already present Mm -hmm. and then just choosing what is most edifying and nourishing Mm -hmm. that allows me the freedom to be able to do that. 
Mm. And so that is on all fronts, like curating very specifically, like my work situation so that I have flexibility to be able to um, not, not have to be somewhere at like in the morning hours, for example, mm-hmm. uh, if I don't have to be, if I don't want to be, you know, if I'm sick or if I'm mm-hmm. stiff because mm-hmm. of the arthritis and, and being able to maximize the times when I am able to do a lot so that I can then create a buffer for myself for the times when I'm not able to and curating the people in my life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, people who are supportive that I can have mutually supportive relationships of reciprocity with. Mm-hmm. And I'm very open and upfront about the things that I have. And I learned by, you know, not being able to even lift my hands or wash my hair or sit up by myself very early on in my twenties that we need each other. Mm. And so I was stripped of the shame of asking for help. Mm. So inherent is that in that is the fact that then I also provide help for the people that I ask help from. Mm. So there's that reciprocity there, which can really translate into deeper relationships. Mm -hmm. And um, in my experience, and so those are a few of the ways that I, I kind of curate, but a lot of it has to do as well with just this internal acceptance constantly of the inconsistency Mm-hmm. that I I live with mm-hmm. and the un- I'm constantly in a state of unknowing what the next moment is going to bring mm-hmm. physically so just constantly being with yourself and supporting yourself and being okay with that mm. I love that I think that that is incredibly powerful to like be it's almost like you're in complete surrender mode like I know you basically say like I know things are going to go unplanned and hey that's cool because I've got my systems in place that allow me to be flexible and like like you said you've curated your environment to be um flexible with you and understanding of like whatever is going to happen and so there's this almost like radical acceptance of the unknown (laughs) exactly that's awesome um So over your life, what book or person has inspired you the most? So it's hard to say the most, but there are a couple of people who have really inspired me. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like my mom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my mom. She's incredibly strong. She, you know, moved to a country where she didn't have anyone so that I would be able to go to school here. Mm moved us back and forth and yeah she was just an incredibly strong smart uh creative brilliant person who gave her all to us and then my grandfather I come from generations of refugees and immigrants so my grandparents fled Europe and fled to South America from my mom's side my dad's side I'm indigenous Paraguayan and Argentine so from my mom's side, they fled down there and they started this German community in the middle of the desert. People were dying all around them. They didn't even know what plants were okay to eat. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So really amazing and inspiring on that end. Um, so my own family history from both sides has been really inspirational to me, just generations and generations of uprooting to different continents <laughs> literally mm. like four generations of moving all to different continents mm. for the so next that generation in, that like unknowing is like ingrained or that like yeah. unplanned thing is like ingrained in your heritage <laughs> exactly and and all those generations were also all musicians composers oh uh, so, and my grandfather was a he created medicine from natural herbs and plants and what? honey and it was a beast. so like so cool. all this yeah so it's like all very much a part of my my bloodline and my heritage. And so my, my own family is a big source of inspiration to me. Uh, my sister's a single mother. She's really brilliant. Um, my brother is one of the most brilliant musicians I know. Mm. Father's incredibly uh, smart. He had an accident before I was born where he cracked a skull open, but he, although he is forced to live with that every day, he's still incredibly resilient. So mm. there's all of that. And then, um, then aside from them, like great thinkers is like Thich Nhat Hanh mm-hmm. is, uh, I, I perform, I went through my transmission ceremony of his five mindfulness trainings and I started 
initially my meditation practice was in Zen. So mm-hmm. I was trained um, through his teachings and he's the big, big influence on me. Um, great thinkers, like everyone from like Kant to um, even Nietzsche. Uh, like I, I just like, I love reading. Yeah. So um, all different philosophies and and thoughts i mean um for musicians as well like nicholas jar um is a big influence on me um my brain is like i right now is just like a waterfall of names (laughs) (laughs) it's very hard to i mean great thinkers like even even people like um god uh murakami who's a fiction writer you know mm-hmm. yeah murakami. yeah i've actually read a couple of his books amazing yeah i, I mean mm-hmm. e- e- even him or like it's just it's just i really take inspiration from everything that i choose to ingest mm. which is why i choose to ingest things mm. so I know that it's going to impact me because it does impact us, but I want it to impact me to the highest degree possible. So I'm, I'm intentional about what I ingest. So I'm intentional, not just about my, my edible diet, but my audio diet, my mm-hmm. visual diet, my physical diet, all the things that I, that I curate for this museum. That is my life mm. experience. Yeah. I I was going to ask you like if you had any self-care practices <laughs> like to help you recharge or like what your non-negotiables are, but I feel like I mean those are I mean those are huge like the non-negotiable being like the fact that you curate your surroundings and like like you said like you curate everything for your museum, which is <laughs> I love that visualization. <laughs> but is there like I mean that's a big one is there are there any other things that you that you do to help like recharge? Yeah, there are some simple things. Like my roommate actually introduced me to ocean water. What? What is this? That? No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something I started doing in the morning. So it's really great. It um, it's like hot water with Himalayan salt, lemon, ginger, honey. I put coconut oil in mine. Oh my goodness! And you just drink a big jar of this. Okay, I need this. and you feel so hydrated the rest of the day oh that sounds awesome yeah Yeah, it sounds like a good electrolyte mix I like that yeah that's definitely something and then I do um I do matcha and cacao every day for energy in the afternoon Mm -hmm. (coughs) and then I do a lot of with like plant medicine and different natural herbs um also my country we do so much with that so Mm. That's also a huge part of my my self care. Uh, yoga is a big part of my self care, mm-hmm. and sleep. Sleep is actually a high priority for me. Uh, yeah, I feel you there. Sleep is like a total non negotiable for me. <laughs> yeah, and and that's it's so important. You know, I mean, we so important. the the lights are important, but uh, we've kind of like we're we're driving ourselves crazy by not letting ourselves sleep. Totally. And, Totally. It's a huge problem. <laughs> totally. I mean, like, this hustle and bustle lifestyle, it's like sleep is the first thing to go, I feel like. And it's like, uh-huh. no, that is, that's like, I mean, productivity aside, like, you are totally messing with like hormonal imbalance, inflammation levels, like, all kinds of stuff. Like, sleep is immediately. so, yeah, immediately. Like, there's so many studies that show, like, even one or two nights of, you know, sleep deprivation, whether, I mean, that just means like less than, you know, six hours of sleep or whatever, like, uh-huh. completely affects <laughs> so many aspects of your health. Yeah, I'm yeah, right there and, with we're, you. and we're supporting, we're teaching our students to not sleep, you know? Totally. Instead absolutely. of teaching them to maximize the time that they're yes. awake. Yes, yes. Which is a totally different approach again, you know? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's like the idea that people have this aversion to suffering and so they run away from it or they try to solve it or fix themselves instead of maximizing the times when they feel like they're thriving. Mm. Totally. It's a very different 
it's just a slight pivot, but in the long run, it makes a completely different approach to life. One that's way more relaxed, one that's way more in sync and in mm. tune with our natural rhythms. Absolutely. And one where you're fully accepting of yourself. Mm. Totally. A hundred percent. What are your top three favorite like podcasts, blogs, vlogs, or whatever, <laughs> like resource that you listen to or watch? Um, what are those top three if you have them? So I really love TED Talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love TED Talks because it's I go on there and I even will listen to things that I – it's like things that I wouldn't normally gravitate to. mm you know, so try to listen to things like, oh, that's not really interesting to me. Okay, I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love that. Just like pushing yourself a little outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, <awesome>. exactly. <laughs> so as as far as like something like that for like, you know, self-growth and uh, that's something. I listen to a lot of spoken word poetry, mm-hmm. actually. Andrea Gibson, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I start every morning with poetry. Uh, and uh, as far as like work life and entrepreneur stuff, I like work life with Adam Grant a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I love any kind of like podcast that talks where they bring in experts to talk about like how to maximize your work life or your business. Um, and then as far as music goes, I, I like, um, ooh, let me see. Pensados Palace is good. There are like a couple different things that my roommate kind of turned me on to have to do with like synths or production, uh, sound design, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Perfect. So uh, what else do I want to ask you? If you had a little magic in your pocket, what is the one thing that you would change in the world? I would... Because when we talk about suffering, a lot of people will go, their go-to is like, yeah, but I mean, and and I say this too, like suffering is, can be a magnifying glass for all of our experiences of joy and appreciation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the construct that we live in. But in an ideal world for me, we wouldn't require suffering in order to appreciate the lack thereof so it wouldn't exist <laughs> mm. right so mm. i think that would be that i mean i've just in my work with sex trafficking with homelessness with refugees i've just seen so much domestic violence i've just seen so much suffering yeah. chronic illness people with chronic illness disabilities people with cancer it's just like i've just seen so much suffering and we all see so much suffering constantly. So if it didn't have, if it didn't have to be that way, which in the constructs that we have now, that is how it is. Mm -hmm. uh, That's probably what I would change. What is your current project or passion? This is a good question. I'm at a place (laughs) of transition right now. Tell us about it. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I was just talking to my partner about it last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took him to dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about it? <laughs> no. Let me sit you down and tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to take him to dinner. <laughs> but it came up. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm I'm in a place of transition right now. I, you know, I'm, I just got back from tour. I was Mm -hmm. certifying others to teach sound meditation Mm -hmm. in a different state. Very cool. Through a program that I created. I, so I've just got off of working like a ton, doing a lot of live events because I DJ too. And I mix my, my live sets with my DJing. Mm -hmm. So I just got off of like doing a lot of work with performing out. So this month, I'm really in a state of like working on recordings. I'm working on book proposals. Uh, Cause I have two books that I'm writing. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. Uh, one of them is more of like a 
debunking myths and wellness kind of coffee table type book. And the other one is more has to do with like how to live well while unwell. Mm. And uh, so those are the two that I'm kind of working on and working on getting recordings out. And um, I have a couple projects right now that I have not revealed yet that I'm working with, with a couple oh, colleagues. That's yeah. <laughs> that'll be coming, coming up uh, soon. And yeah, I'm, I'm, in the fall, I'm hoping to reveal like, a. am going to be unveiling a course in sound meditation that people can do. Nice. Like a so, DIY online course like an online kind of thing yeah where i i can guide them and then a part of it is like has modules mm. uh just basically helping us to change our relationship to sound because i you know i can teach a lot of different types of meditation and physical practices but one of the reasons why i really stuck with sound as my primary vehicle mm-hmm. for stress relief and for um kind of an a doorway as a doorway into this idea of life curation is because of a few things. One, it speaks to everyone. You can even be deaf and still benefit from sound work. Mm-hmm. You can be cognitively impaired and still benefit from sound work. Um, two, it transcends all barriers that are inherent in being a human. So those that we create like culture, language, religion, sexual orientation, um, preferences, hatreds, and things that are inherent in uh, in being a human, like uh, the fact that you're in a different body than me. You have a different nervous system than me, right? Mm-hmm. So it transcends all boundaries and barriers, created and inherent uh, in the human experience. And it also provides us with this experience when we're practicing together at once of being completely safe on your own individual in your own journey. And at the same time, 100% fully connected with the collective community of human Mm. consciousness. Mm. So it's a full representation in that way of our place as a human being in this sea of humans or this ocean of human, this vast ocean of humans all throughout history and timelines and everything. Right. So um, I stuck with sound for those reasons. And it's, I found that like with sound, we often walk around as if we don't have as much control over how we perceive sound as we do with other sensory organs that we have. Mm. However, what if we intentionally change our relationship to the sounds that we're receiving? For example, an ambulance, right? That's such an awful sound. Mm-hmm. And it's so freaking loud. I don't know if they made them louder now. It just it sounds <laughs> to me like they're louder this year or something. Like, I don't know if they upped the ante on it. They're like, oh, it's it's like, you know, it's at 200 decibels. We need to get it to 300 or whatever. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, the, the ambulance is incredibly loud and, and disorienting. And so, it used to cause me a lot of stress and, you know, spike my cortisol levels and like tighten up my body and put me into fight or flight. So I started to try to train myself to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I, let me rephrase that. I started to invite myself to listen to it as like a crazy opera singer. Hmm. Just doing this crazy song. Oh my god! And goodness. so in my head, I started to add violins above it doing like this crazy, like, staccato and then I started to add like drums underneath it doing tremolo and like these crazy like kind of drum lines and so it becomes this crazy song so the more I do that the more that becomes habit and then now every time I hear an ambulance that song comes through my head and I'm just laughing oh my goodness I love that it's like such a perspective shift and now like you know you have to create this (laughs) like yeah using like I don't know digital music whatever like a sound sample of an ambulance and then create (laughs) like totally layer on the stuff like I need to hear that that's awesome (laughs) my partner he actually he's a producer and a DJ as well and he uh he actually creates, he'll, he'll field, because we do feel like a date for us is like going upstate and field recording. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so he'll like field record the subway and he's created songs from these kinds of sounds, the city oh, sounds. So cool. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I'll send you some. 
Yeah, please. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so cool. Yeah, but things like that, you know, or like children. I know this might make me sound kind of harsh, but like I don't have kids. So hear, hearing kids like laughing and playing outside was really annoying to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, just be quiet. <laughs> and uh, but then I started to invite myself to listen in a way where I was actually hearing resiliency and I was hearing opportunity and hearing um, enjoyment and hearing excitement. And then I would start to think about times when I had new opportunities or when I was excited or when I oh experienced newness. And so it's this different way of listening to everything around us. So my course that I'm going to reveal in the fall just kind of takes us through what it means to really integrate and get to know ourselves intimately on three different planes mm-hmm. with silence, deep listening, and sound production. So it's like those mm-hmm. three different kind of spaces where we operate in relation to our audio diet. Mm. Yeah. So that that. if we look at it that way, like every single sound around us from the moment you wake up provides within it, it contains innumerable opportunities for us to experience awe, joy, Mm. laughter, enjoyment. It's like taking, if our life, our day is a coloring page It's like taking normal colors and splashing neon onto it, Mm. you know, or putting glitter or whatever it is Yeah, (laughs) to to add dimension, right? So like, Mm. but we're choosing what, how we want to perceive it. And if we create a habit of that, really, really, it can cause an incredible shift in how we relate to the world. Absolutely. Because you're literally reprogramming your subconscious mind. But you're using exactly. sound as a tool to do it. And I think that is – that's brilliant. You're like blowing my mind right now. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to do this, 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 and this. <laughs> like, that I'm is, so glad. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, that and, is brilliant. And if you think about from a fight or flight standpoint, like sound really is one of the things that keeps us on edge. I mean we use it in movies. The whole point of mm-hmm. having the horror films, the soundtrack is to induce fear, is exactly. to induce – feelings of romance or connection. I mean, that is what we use sound for. So why not take all of the sounds in our immediate surroundings and become the conductors of our own soundtrack? Oh, so good. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Totally. That's such an empowering way to look at it. Like, Exactly. I love that. I love that so much. I'm excited for your course to come out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Me too. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) Totally. Oh my God. Um, Awesome. Is there anything else like that I didn't ask you that you want to share with our audience? Um, You know, I just, I really am just excited for the fact that I got to talk to you. I'm excited for the fact Mm -hmm. that we are in an age right now where we have access to so much information. Mm. And I just want to encourage and invite all of your listeners to do a couple of things. One, to bring to mind a couple of people that love you just the way you are for who you are. Mm. And then Bring to mind the reasons why they love you. What are the things they love about you? Maybe they love your smile. Maybe they love your laughter. Maybe they love the kind things you say, your quirkiness, (laughs) whatever it is. And to keep those things close to you because we're so hard on ourselves And especially in this world of wellness and this pursuit of trying to be everything for everyone, including for ourselves, we are our hardest critics. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes seeing that other people love you, seeing why they love you, that can bring back into perspective how amazing we are, bring back into perspective that maybe we don't have to be so hard on ourselves. Maybe if instead of trying to change who we are, or be something different, or in a different place. Maybe instead the journey is about getting to know ourselves so intimately 
that we know at any point and moment in time what it is that we need. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, how can our uh, how can the audience find you? I know they're going to want to look your stuff up. <laughs> yes, perfect. Um, I think if we would it be okay if we put a link for my newsletter? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll put a link for everything in the show notes yes, for right. sure. Mm-hmm. So put a link to the newsletter. My my Instagram is a really great way to connect with me. Um, I put up lots of like educational videos and different things on there. I talk a lot about wellness and sound. Mm. Uh, my newsletter is key. I'm going to be putting stuff out on Spotify in the next few months. Yes. Uh, yes. So I'll be putting all that out on uh, the newsletter. I have a couple videos out on YouTube. I don't do too much up there, but it's worth looking at. And my SoundCloud as well. You can check out my DJ mixes as well as some of my original recordings on SoundCloud too. So we'll put all those links up. Yeah, we'll put all those links in the show notes for sure. Maralise, this has been so much fun and so educational. And I think that it's also been really introspective. Um, And so I just thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your experience. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see what you have coming up next. (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. It's been really great. You have a really wonderful voice also which has made it really pleasant for me (laughs) you have such a strong confident and yet it's really endearing and like welcoming cadence to it oh you are so sweet thank you so much (laughs) so that is a wrap i hope you loved that interview what were your key takeaways from this episode i'm so curious you know, one of um, one of the most beautiful things I gained from this interview was the practice of associating specific sounds with specific states of being. I think that can be a really, really profound practice, especially for those of us who lead really busy lives. Having those sort of sound cues throughout the day are are super, super cool. You know, tuning into those everyday sounds and having them trigger states of gratitude, joy, abundance, so they can help us shift out of our typical stressful states of fight, flight, or freeze and help us realign and and ground and calm our nervous system so we can actually be more productive and creative and really present and show up right in our day. So if you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you love. And don't forget to take a screenshot of you listening and tag me at wealthywoman.co. Tune in next week for more awesome and actionable info. And I will chat with you then. All right, ladies, thank you for listening to another transformational episode. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? (laughs) You know my mission is to help inspire and empower women to share their gifts, better serve their clients, and show up even more for the people they love. So if you enjoyed this episode, leave an awesome review so more women can find us and join us in creating a life of wealth.